everybody, welcome to another episode of MG Rants. I'm Tanning Grace, and as always, I'm joined by Ross Merriam. Ross, how you doing, buddy? I am doing well. Um, mm-hmm. Another another typical day, I guess. Um, uh-huh. It's I guess it's been a, a bit of a weird weekend because I didn't get to watch much basketball. Sure. So I don't have any Utah Jazz rants because it's been it was All Star Weekend. Sure. I Which guess. Is- one of the worst all-star games in all the sports oh yeah nobody nobody cares about it at all and it's abysmal i did watch so i always watch all-star saturday night so the, the all-star game itself the, is sunday all that other stuff the skills yeah it's like all the all the, the competitions they do some sure. of it friday but the the bigger ones are saturday the three-point competition mm. the dunk the contest dunk, yeah um which and, I found bo- which I find boring now too as well. But yeah, so it, the, it's sort of shifted. Like the three point contest gets bigger names and is a lot more fun, and then the dunk uh, contest is always terrible. Yeah, and this year's was particularly bad. Like it was yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, I saw some of the highlights. Like people were like struggling to pull up dunks and stuff. You could tell they like yeah. just came up with stuff last second. Jalen Brown did a dunk where he jumped over a guy sitting in a chair, and it's like this isn't impressive. Yeah, no, nobody cares about yeah. this. They're all just like weird spectacle things where they like bring their friends out onto the floor to throw them the ball or whatever. Yeah, it's it was just, really bad. Yeah, but yeah, the, not a big fan. It's it's actually I think I've said this before, and it, I, my bias is going to show uh, because I don't watch like hockey. Uh, but out of the three major sports, baseball is the best all star game, and it might just be the best all star game in sports because it's probably the one where the players can try the hardest because yeah. they're less likely to get hurt. Like basketball, yeah, you, nobody you plays play defense. three innings. Like yeah maybe three innings like yeah maybe, maybe. yeah because they try to get everybody in the game but like in football like they don't have you seen the football recently they made it flag yeah i know that which is which is great honestly because like nobody wants to get hurt right yeah it's um, the only way they can actually try to do something yeah they can actually like run full speed or whatever uh basketball like a team literally scored 211 points or whatever last night 211 ross teams can go multiple games without scoring that much in the nba <laughs> Uh, not these days, but <laughs> I'm saying they can. Uh, Detroit, yeah. okay, Detroit can go two games without scoring 211 points. Okay? Sure, sure, but it, it, yeah, it was really bad. I can rant a bit about the three point contest because Larry yeah. Markkinen kind of got hosed sure. he, by not he getting made, to participate. Yeah, no, he he he, he did he participate. Did? He okay. made the most shots, but he happened to just miss the ones that were worth more points. That's stupid. And so he missed out on the on the second round by one. That's dumb. Yeah. Because of that. Isn't that so, the goal is to make the most shots? <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what they do, uh, so traditionally you've had five five ball racks, right? Uh-huh. And there's, uh-huh. there's two set up in each corner, two on the wings, and one straight away at the top of the key. And it, you know you start at, at one corner and you run around the arc and you stop at each rack and shoot the five balls. And the fifth ball in each rack is your money ball. So the normal balls are one point, those. the money balls are two. Right. Well, in as they've you know kept trying to add it to the event to make it more exciting, they've added in be- between the two wing racks and the center rack. There's one ball on either side of it, so two more balls that are set uh, on their own rack uh, deeper. So like it's like a 28 foot shot instead of 24 foot shot, uh, and those are worth three points. So there's two of those, and. Each contestant for each round gets to select one of the racks, and that's their money rack, and every ball is a money ball. So now there's nine money balls and the two sponsored balls. It was sponsored by Starry, so they were the Starry balls. 
And so that there's just a lot of variance and like, oh, I happened to make the shots that mattered. And Lowry just only went two of five on his money rack and ended up a point behind, which is annoying. But whatever. It's not a big deal. That's my, that's yeah. my minor non-magic rant for the day. Sure. That, I'm sure, will be the only one. But... <laughs> that and God, I wish I had basketball again. I tried watching a college basketball game and it's yeah. just so bad. Oh, my God. It's so... just a horrible product. You would hear a really, uh, a really funny sports thing that happened to me a couple days ago. So sure. uh, Friday, I think it was Friday. My buddy texts. I like wake up to a text at like eight or nine in the morning. My buddy's like, "Hey, do you want to go to the LSU baseball game today?" It's like the second game of the season. You know, college baseball just started. You know me, big baseball fan, especially the beginning of the season. I prefer yeah. major leagues to college, but it just so happens that my alma mater and you know my hometown team is exceptionally good and is usually very good. You know, we're the defending champs. We had the number one and the number two pick in the draft last year, which has never happened before. And our team is still very good. And uh, my buddy is like asking me to do stuff like, you know, like once every like week or two for the last like month. And I've had to blow up like I've had to quote unquote blow him off. I had to be like, no, like I can't go. And I'm one of those people like, I don't want to like keep telling you no. So you stop inviting me. Yeah. And like, I'm like, wishy, wishy-washy when I wake up. I'm like, whatever. Yeah, I'll go. I didn't realize what the weather was going to be. That's just how things are these days. Yeah. You know, we. we the fact that we can now communicate last minute if, like, we can't make it makes it so much easier to just always make plans and then break them later, whereas it used to be a much bigger deal to have to break plans because it was actively hard to, like, yeah. you know, contact them and let them know if they had left their house. Sure. I uh, I have been flaky in the past, so I try not to be now. You know, it's like a, yeah. a, a personal thing. But so, I'm like, yeah, sure, like, uh, like I'll go or whatever, right? Because I'm like, you don't need to get out of the house more, et cetera, et cetera, right? Anyway, so... I should have looked at the weather forecast because it was cold, like really cold, Ross. Was it cold, cold or tan and cold? It was cold, cold. Okay. Because so, it was like low 40s. And yeah, it's that's a borderline cold. It's a baseball game. And it's sure, next yes, to... Yes, sitting in a baseball game like that is... And we yeah. have bleacher seats. So we're sitting on like just a hard metal surface and it's like, you know, we're on the third baseline with no cover and there's a lake very close to this... Uh, to the stadium so it's like pretty cold when i get outside whatever i'm like you know i'm wearing like a long sleeve shirt and a really heavy like zip up hoodie but it's like not a normal hoodie it's like heavy it's like thick you know sure and some pants so i get there it's cold or whatever we go sit in our seats and like dude i'm freezing like my butt cheeks are free like literally <laughs> like getting numb right you know i'm like man this sucks i'm really cold and my buddy's like look there's a uh and it's like the first in it he's like look there's a uh the shop's like right there you just go buy like a sweatshirt or something, something I could wear as an extra layer. So I'm like, cool, I'll do I that. would want to buy, like, a cushion. Yeah, they, they have those, but, like, I think they're either sold out or, like, they're also just going to be cold. So, like, whatever. So, I, you know, I go in there, and uh, I find, like, an LSU baseball sweater. They only have two options. One is $50, and one is $80, right? The $50 one just looks like crap. It's, like, one of those big baggy pieces of junk that, like... It's always like a size and a half too big for you. You know what I'm talking about? Like the big. Yeah. And then the other one's like a, a nice fitted one. So I'm like, whatever, I'll just buy the $80 one. And then I buy one of those like uh, beanies things to like put on my head because like, you know, I'm losing a lot of heat out of my head. So I buy like an LSU beanie thing. So, and that was like 30 bucks, right? So I go out there, you know, I put that on, I go out, sit in my seat. Another inning goes by. I'm like, dude, I'm struggling. This is, it is so cold. And we're playing like central Arkansas state or something else. It's the first games of the year. You know, yeah. it's like pure it's cupcake. cupcake time. Yeah, it's pure cupcake. And uh, so 
about the third inning, I look at my friend and like I had met him at his house and he drove out there because he has a big truck and he has a parking pass and like, you know, we can park anywhere and like, you know, I have a little sedan. Right. So um, I look at him and I'm like, what would you think of me if I just called an Uber to go back to your house and just left? Like or whatever. And he's like, yeah, man, like do it. doesn't matter. Cause like one of his other friends was coming to, he had like another ticket for somebody else. So it'd have been, yeah. you know, still three of them instead of just the three of us, you know? So I call an Uber, leave, go home. Right. Just cause it's too cold. So I want you to understand this, Ross, the Uber itself was like 30 or 40 bucks. So I spent about $160 <laughs> to go to two and a half innings of a baseball game that I did not have to buy tickets for. That's impressive. Yeah, right? Like, like I actually, like, I remember I told my best friend about this, and he was just laughing his ass off the whole time, because I was like, yeah, I tried to go to the baseball game today, and he goes, how how, how much is tried? I was like, I got through two innings, and he started laughing, he's like, yeah, it's miserable outside. And you know what the best part is? That was just a couple days ago, right? Uh, yeah. Right now, it is, let me let me get the actual temperature right now, because it's a little later, it's 4.30 in the afternoon for me right now on a Tuesday, when this was like a Saturday or Sunday, uh, it is... 71 degrees outside it was 75 earlier like i'm going to play golf tomorrow like that's what weather in louisiana is like at this time of year and it's just wild like i literally wore shorts and a t-shirt today like went to the gym and shorts and t-shirt i was like yeah this is just beautiful i'm we're like five or ten degrees away from it being comfortable to play tennis outside again yeah. and i am i'm eagerly checking the weather forecast yes same uh, I don't know. Did you did you by any chance watch any of the? It's completely okay to say no. Did you watch any of the coverage of Denver last week of the RC? Yeah, yeah. Did you by any chance catch the opening scene of Denver last week? Um, I didn't catch it on coverage, but I saw other people post about how it was snowing. Yeah. Did you see Weatherman Tannen? Did you see this? Him? Um, oh, actually, yeah. Now that you remind me, I do think I, I yeah, with you outside. Yeah. So I like to do. And it's not always my idea, you know, sometimes we come together. I like to have, like, one skitty-type thing, something funny to, like, break the monotony, at least, like, at every every yeah. bit. Like, we've already kind of got a really good idea for, for the RC in Dallas. Uh, I'll give you a hint. I own a real cowboy hat, and I have a friend that's very good at leather work, so I might, for the interviews, I might have a, a holster where I put the mic into the holster, and I might learn to spin it. Like, you know, like the old school, like, uh, yeah. Western, like, Western, Western movies with like, the yeah. gun, you know, that's been it. Like, I might do some fun stuff with that, but quick draw you know, grace. That's yeah. what we always call them. You've yeen your last haul, buddy. But anyway, huh? <laughs> it's not you, anything to do with guns, but that's what we call them. Sure, sure, sure. Like, I'm not a big gun person, but anyway, um, and like, yeah, like, I got to have a lot of fun with it. I mean, if you watch it, I'll tell you this, it was, it, it was, the idea was, it, it was not a spur of the moment thing. It was that we had this plan where, I go outside into the snow and it's like literally snowing because it's so cold in Denver. And I start doing the intro to the show. I'm like, you know, hey, welcome to the snow covered mountains of Denver, Colorado. Like, obviously, make the little pun or whatever, you know, yeah. like, blah, 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 this. We've got this many players. This is the biggest RC of all time. And then all of a sudden, I'm just like, cut, cut. It's way too cold out here or whatever. And then it immediately jumps to me inside. I'm like, hi, I'm a much warmer Tammy Grace. So we do the show. I'm like, you know, it gets a little giggle and just, stuff like that's fun. Like, I, I miss that kind of stuff. This made me think about it, like how cold it was, even to stand out there for maybe 10 minutes. Also, we got a new camera, or one one of our cameras is new for that one, and it's a big upgrade. It's so good that people ask me, they're like, was that Photoshop? Like, was that a green screen? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, you can see the snow on me. <laughs> like, like I am in the snow, or whatever. But uh, Denver is gorgeous, by the way. I've never actually gotten to spend time in Denver. Like, the city's, city's pretty nice. It's too bad that, like, half their sports franchises are a joke, but the other half are good. So, I don't know. But, um, hey, yeah, interesting, the interesting trip. The good. That's all that matters. Yeah. It was an interesting trip. Uh, 
And this is kind of what the show's going to be about. We're going to cover a lot of the formats. And the one, I think you wanted to start with modern, right? Yeah. And so, like, this 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 was a really good segue, Ross. I don't know if you even noticed the segue was happening as it happened. I did, I did notice. I was impressed. Yeah. You kind of ruined it by pointing it out, but that's okay. That's the point. That's the point. <laughs> it's funnier for me when I do that. All right. Anyway, so we're just moving into, into modern. And uh, an actual, like, really old school Magic player that I've known for 15 years ended up winning this tournament this weekend. But uh, I'm going to say this with a grain of salt as we get into, into modern. I'm not the biggest fan of where modern's at right now. I don't think anyone is. Yeah. It's I who boy. It's uh it's in a rough spot for us. Yeah. Basically for the last like year, it feels like Watsi has been trying to ban all of the things other than the free spells. And but the problem is the free spells. Yes. You know, I, I guess they did ban one of them with fury, but like that would it just that one wasn't was, nearly as big of a problem as grief. And now yeah. we've got like, you know, that one felt like the bridge from below band where we're like, yeah. okay, we get it. But like this one, you know, like, and the, the, they keep printing things that are, that have these like cost reduction mechanics that allow you to play them in the cascade shells, but they're cheaper. So the cascade decks keep getting better. And if you remember when they announced Shardless agent in modern horizons, uh, I think you warned us that something like yeah. this was going to happen. Yeah. Because we had just come out of the Tybalt's trickery month of complete nonsense. And they had to okay. ban that. And when we, t- when that was going on, I advocated for just banning the three mana cascade cards. And when yeah. they didn't, I was disappointed. Then they r- revealed that Shardless agent was in the next horizon set. And uh, I realized like, Oh, that's why they just couldn't because they yeah. were, you know, intentionally putting these in. And, I just knew that it wasn't gonna wasn't gonna end well, Tannen, and I I was right. While I agree, completely agree with you, and you know, props to you for seeing this coming. I do think that you actually are hitting on a little bit of a point of why we might not see the format get touched for the rest of the year, or any drastic changes happen to it. They're just gonna kind of. I am a feeling we're just gonna ride out where it's at right now because we're yeah. we're pretty quick to be like, yo, we need a ban. Like, you know, something needs to change up. It's like we're getting Modern Horizons three. And yeah, th- that'll be the major change. So. If it's even 80% of what Modern Horizons 2 is, you're looking at a completely different format. Yeah. You know, Modern so. Horizons 2 had, what, 10 to 12 cards that were, like, drastic changes in, into Modern. You had the you had all the elementals. Yeah. You had, like, DRC on Charm, Prismatic DRC Ending. Uh, Charm was MH1, I think. It was MH1. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. It was MH1. But there was, like, something else, too, like, that was, like, a surprise. Oh, uh... uh Saga. With Saga, we had uh, the cookbook stuff, I think, was in that as yeah, well. For the cookbook, Asmo yeah. stuff. That that was tried for a while and could still be a thing here at some point. You know, we've got a lot more, like, artifact stuff coming out and shit. And, like, we're, we're getting very close to an artifact deck being good again, I think. We're getting very yeah. close. And there's even some showing up in, like, Pioneer and stuff, but... And uh, and the, the the domain creatures that are now starting mm-hmm. to see some play. Like, mm-hmm. you know... The, uh, Scion of Draco. Yeah, Scion of Draco was, was sort of the breakout card from the weekend just... because of this domain Rhinos build. Yeah, I'm mad at myself. I had a ton of those and had gotten rid of them very recently. I was like, whoops. <laughs> they went from like $2 to like 15 overnight, you know? Yeah. Which I'm not sure if that's the actual correct build. Because like, here's the thing. Let's talk about that deck for a minute. The, the you know, the, the the deck in the tournament, just rhinos in general. And then you had the two different flavors. You had just Tiber rhinos. And then you had what a lot of people like to call rainbow rhinos, which was like, you know, it had the the new guild pack. Uh, Leyline of the guild Leyline pack. Leyline of the guild pack. And then it had Song of Draco. And we saw, you know, LSV on coverage. I think started out 5-0, 6-0 in the tournament. Had a little bit of a rough middle there. But, like, we saw some people do really well with that deck. But it was ultimately won by just, like, stock, stockish, like, teamer rhinos. Yeah. And 
I kind of lean towards that one, not just because of the results, but I think the deck is going to have better draws on average. While I do think Scion of Draco is like pretty damn good and impactful in the mirror and some other stuff where like on turn, because like sometimes on turn two, you're just like, here's a 4-4 four, four flying first striker or yeah. whatever. This is a deck that hasn't had a proactive play before turn three, mm -hmm. and now barring, it you know, yeah. Gemstone Caverns. And now it does. Like it has a two mana proactive play that that changes the dynamic of the deck. It gives it more pressure yeah. and it, you know just lets it like you know, punish stumbles and do you know just be a more well rounded deck where it's yeah. not uh, it's you know you, you've already got around the restriction in a reactive way playing that you know various uh, you know split cards, dead gone fire ice, and then you know they had fury back in the day, but a bunch of other early interaction. Now you have early proactive plays, and that really you know sort of is the last missing piece of the deck. Um, that said, like, we had builds of Rhinos that played Scion without Leyland of the Guild Pact, you know, a year or two ago, and they ended up, you know, not proving to not be good enough relative to uh, traditional team of Rhinos. So it's clear that Leyland has been a big part of reviving this archetype, and that deck had a really good weekend. You know, we're looking at Karsten's uh, Frank Karsten compiled the, the modern win rates for the top decks across all the RCs that week, uh, which was the, the one of the, the US one, one of the Canadian ones, and the Japanese one. Hey. And Domain Rhinos comes out ahead in terms of win rate. It won 60% of its matches hey. across about a 340 match sample. Uh, you know, does pretty well against most of the other top decks. I see that the only top other of the six most played decks, the only one where it was, um, you know, under 50% on the weekend was Living End. Which also had a very good weekend, and like uh, that's that's like the breakout deck for me this weekend is like Living End is not only it's a good powerful deck with some upgrades recently, but you look at this you look at its matchup against both the Rhinos variants because yeah. Rhinos was like twenty something percent of the field at all the events as well. Yeah, you see, typical the uh, the the traditional teamer list has a sample size of twenty six hundred matches, so mm -hmm. a, a huge sample there winning a little over 50%, but was quite weak to living end at 33% over 200 matches. Yeah, you're looking at a 68 and 141 spread. That's yeah. not good. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's pretty clear that living end has the edge in the Cascade Mirror, and that, that's not a big surprise to me. You know, actual living end is a very good way to clear up the, uh, mm -hmm. the rhinos in, in rhinos, and then now that you have grief and force negation, like they're, they basically only have force negation and maybe like mystical dispute to fight your forces. So I think it's a lot easier for the living end deck to force through its living end, at which point the, the various removal spells are pretty bad. Tashana's Tidebinder is, an, is a nice you know tool in that matchup, so maybe the teamer lists go up on that card. But uh, I think, you know, it's it's pretty clear to looking at these win rates what the story of the weekend is. Like, you know, we went in late in the week, the Domain Rhinos deck started getting some buzz. A lot of, you know, uh, of the better players in the room played it. You mentioned LSV. It had a very good weekend. So then what is going to then prey on that deck? It's decks that actually have good interaction for it. You know, dealing with a ley-lined, souped-up, you know, Cyanodraco Draco is pretty difficult. You need sweepers. What are the next two best decks in win percentage on the weekend, Tannen? Decks that have sweepers. It's Living End and Azorius Control. And Azorius Control is also very good at stopping Cascade. They can play Chalice the Void main deck. They play Teferi Time Raveler main deck. They have counter spells, which are always good against the yeah. Cascade decks. So, but like, this was very much a Cascade is doing really well. Team yeah. Rhinos is very well represented. Domain Rhinos is now emerging. And Living End is good in those matchups, so it's going to get a boost. So what are the decks that are going to be able to beat these Cascade decks? And Azorius Control is a clear winner there. 
I want to talk about this a, a, a tiny bit for a second. I'm going to go on two different things here if I can remember both of them because I'm going to probably lose my train of thought since I'm an old man. Um, the Cascade decks, Team of Rhinos in particular, it's starting to feel like a legacy deck to me. Like you're yeah. doing this very powerful thing all the time. Like your draws. I think I said this like a year ago on the show that there was a while there when Rhinos wasn't the best deck in modern. But if I had to like play a tournament with minimal testing, is like this is the deck that I would gravitate towards because it has a good proactive plan that is obvious what you're doing. Its average opening hand is like probably the closest to uh, the mean. If you get what I'm trying to say there, it has the same opening hand every game. In yeah. my opinion, like when you, you know, I mean, you have the you have the the smallest range of opening hands, and like, I I you know I goldfish the deck a lot. I played a little bit of the friend, and I'm like, dude, I'm just never mulliganing with this deck. What is it? And he's like, yeah, the deck just doesn't mulligan very much. It's it's great on that, and if it does mulligan, it's six card hands are still really good because your cascade cards are so powerful and catching you back up by putting two rhinos into play. And then now the way the deck's built, you have some really really good interaction, right? But then in in the form of permanents you know, with Subtlety and uh, Tidebinder. But then not only do you have Subtlety, now you have Force Mitigation at, like, the max. Now you're playing, uh, you know, the guy that won, he actually knew that Living In was a bad matchup, and he had four Endurances in his sideboard. And I watched him just rush Living In. He was like, look, I knew this was the problem. I came here expecting this, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah, and, like, so you're looking at a deck that now has somewhere between 8 to 12 or more, quote-unquote, free spells, right? You know, things that you can, like, pitch to play when you're, like, tapped out and stuff. So it starts to feel almost like a Delver deck in in Legacy, and like you're doing very similar things, right? And you know, there's there's little things here or there that you can get an edge on, and I don't know, like the the deck feels great to me. Both of them feel very much like almost like a it looked like a Legacy match when they were playing each other. Modern these days, modern post MH two feels a lot like Legacy in the early 2010s. Okay, in terms can, yeah, of the power level sure. of the format, and yeah. if you think about it. Modern is 2003 and forward. The summer of 03 is when 8th edition is released. So we're looking at 20.5 or almost 21 years of sets. Magic was released in August of 93. So Which is like legacy. 20.5 yeah. to 21 years yeah. gets you to about 2013, 2014. That said, there are certain cards that were are in legacy that like you can't really replicate. Mainly yeah. Force of Will, Brainstorm, and Wasteland. Um, but you're yeah, starting to get close to Force of Will with, yeah. with Force of Negation now. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, like there's a bunch of free spells in the current modern format that weren't available in Legacy back then, m- uh-huh. mainly Force of Negation and the and the, the Pitch Elementals, Urza Saga, things like that. So uh-huh. th- there's you know that there's arguments on either side as to which format is you know more abstractly powerful, and I, that me to me suggests that the difference is relatively slim, whichever side you want to you know argue for. So. Sure. That's where I, I always you know view it. Yeah. The other thing I want to point out, and this is for modern and for pioneer, I have felt like Azorius Control has overperformed, and almost every RC that I've covered, it always shows up in decent numbers. The players who play it are always really good with it too. It's like it's the stalwarts. They're like I just play Control, and the deck just continues to put up like a fifty-five to fifty-six to fifty-seven percent win percentage at all these de- at all these tournaments. You know, it won the the Atlanta RC, uh, and then it's like doing really well at this one, like. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody top eighted with it. I can't remember the exact top eight. I don't, but I think it had like you know, it had one of the best, the second best yeah. win percentage. I'm sorry, third best win percentage over all of these events. And like, it just seems like that deck. Like, it's almost like a meme to some people. Like, they don't think it's actually good. And I'm starting to just like, man, this deck is actually probably just pretty good. And if you learn it well, like, people just give up against you half the time too. Like, oh yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, the, in modern, you get solitude, and that really helps you clock the opponent. Yeah. So you actually do have some pressure. And like, you don't need much with your control deck. A single 3-2, fine, you know, that's, what, like five turns in modern with how much life yeah. people spend between yeah. fetching, shocking, and thought seizing. Um, so, uh, the, like, the, the control, the Azorius version actually probably has a better clock than, like, the Pioneer Azorius control deck for that mm. reason. Uh, I tend to agree, as much as I have bashed control in the past, the, the main predictor of control success is how narrow a format is. And so the fact that we saw so much Cascade last at the RC weekends and, uh, you know, relatively narrow format around them, you know, there's some Titan there, like Merktide always shows up. Scam has kind of dropped off a little bit, but it is still one of the more played decks. But there's really like four or five main strategies that you can focus on. That's relatively manageable for a control deck. And, you know, they also just have sort of better, uh, you know, more wide ranging answers. Counter spell and solitude deal with a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like yeah. your fairies answer a lot of other stuff. So yeah, it, it's sort of we're entering an almost new golden age for control. I don't, I, I can't remember a time where control has been better across a bunch of formats. Like people have been talking about it in all three of the major ones, in standard, was, pi- pioneer, and modern. It's probably since they started making creatures better and spells worse. Like there was an active shift of that, like. I don't know the exact time, but like, you know, Termogoyf kind of like the first printing of Termogoyf, that era feels like yeah. when we started getting like creatures really, really pushed. You know, started getting like Bloodbraid Elf around yeah. that, that era. To me, it was post Planeswalkers. Like they needed to make yes. the creatures better to yeah. ha- to be able to pressure yeah, Planeswalkers. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So it's, it's been, you know, t- you know, 15-ish years, but like I can't remember the last, because like, you know, when I first started getting really competitive, like I just gravitated towards control a lot because like those yeah. decks were just really good. We had uh, it's Sphinx's Revelation era. Control was good God, then. Oh, I can't wait for that flashback episode. We start talking <laughs> about that stuff. God, I miss that. I miss having uh, no win conditions in my deck or one win condition in my deck. Yeah. I'll cycle I, Elixir for the third time. I played a I played a blue white control deck in an open. It was it was towards the end of the format. Uh, like I think it was right okay. before RTR block was going to rotate. I and uh, at that point, people had been playing one Aetherling in their decks. Yeah. And Dave Shields, like, you know, when he found out I was playing Blue White Control, he, like, messaged me. He was like, don't play the Aetherling. Aetherling mm-hmm. sucks. Like, it costs way too much mana. And uh, this was also the summer where Kibler had been playing that Gruul aggro deck with uh, Arbor Elf and Stranger Geist. And yeah. it was, like, model haste creatures. Yeah. Like, Dave's like, here's what you want to do. Play one copy of Blind Obedience. Yeah. And you had, like, more on the sideboard for that matchup. But you could just kill people with the extort. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I have my blind obedience. Every yep. spell I cast, Drady for one. Yeah, I will <laughs> cast twenty spells. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's how yeah. you won the game. It was yeah. crazy. I played almost. I played it almost predominantly for an entire year. Like I played, I don't know, like six straight opens or something with it once. Like I was just absolutely in love with the deck. I was like flying to opens just because I wanted to play that deck. And so nice. like I wasn't in any races or anything back then. I wasn't on any teams or anything. And I was just like, yo, I just like really want to do this. This is, this is awesome. And yeah, I kind of missed that shit. But yeah, like. Modern looks like it's in an interesting spot. I don't expect it to really change much until yeah, you know, they're going to let MH three happen. Especially because the focus right now is more on standard and pioneer in terms of yeah. competitive play. So there yep. aren't as many modern events in general. Yeah, I I do not expect any bans before MH three, yep. which is like I mean it's only what four months away. So I, yeah, so, I don't know the exact date on this. So. Yeah, I think it's but, June. Yeah. So, but, but speaking of pioneer. Uh, got pre- I've, I've got I've got one more point to make sure, on, on sure, this. Sure, I just want to give my uh, to wrap Your up two the cents. discussion of modern. I want to let people know, like, 
you know, if you're looking at the results from this weekend and you see like, oh, Domain Rhinos, it's the new hot thing, you know, 60% win rate, this deck's busted. There's a couple reasons I think that number specifically is a bit inflated. One, I mentioned it passing earlier, like this was not a deck that was picked up by the weaker players in the room. This was the hit new deck that was flying under the radar until the last couple days before the tournament. It was picked up mainly by people that are in the know, grinding all the time. They're among the stronger players. So the, its sample size is, little, is smaller overall, and it's a biased sample because the average skill level of its pilots is higher. I also think there, you know, there's something to be said that a lot of players were probably unprepared to deal with a Leyline plus Scion. And as people are become more prepared for it, its win rate should drop. I do still think the deck is good. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it'll drop down to be like a 45% deck, but I do not expect that 60% win rate to be sustainable. But it's clear that the metagame is being pushed in the direction where we have the, you know, cascade and anti-cascade paradigm at the top. It's now the question is, is there a deck that can contend against the Shardless Agent decks, but also beat Azorius Control and can answer a, a ley line to Scion? Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a tough set of things to try to do. Um mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll see. You know, we'll definitely monitor monitor moving forward to do it. Also, uh, with just one last quick thing, yeah. please for the love of God, stop playing Burn. The deck hasn't been playable in years. Is always winning forty percent of his matches. It's never doing well. It's just not good. Uh-huh. And also, same for Tron, which will only somehow be good as soon as a modern Pro Tour happens. And for whatever reason, like a perfect storm of metagame conditions happen for it to be good in exactly that weekend and never again. I don't uh-huh. get it. It's an enigma. Those are my feelings on modern right now. All right. Speaking of what we've got going on this weekend, you know, we do have a pro tour coming up in Chicago. Uh, by the way, I can't wait to like sit home and watch coverage. I haven't done that in a long time. You know, I've been busy usually this weekend yeah. doing the coverage. And that's not a shot at like not getting to do coverage. Like I'm actually looking forward to doing that. I haven't done it in a while. And um, yeah, we've got Pioneer coming up al- along with uh, Murder at Karlov Manor. I have to remember to say it correctly. I know your uh, your partner has a big thing about it on Twitter that she always talks about. Yes. Um, just constant. It is not yeah. Markov Manor. It is not Markov Manor. Yeah. So the, the problem is, is when you do that, it makes you think Markov Manor. Like I yeah. make myself just say it correctly. Because like, so it, there, there's a thing about, let's change it for two seconds and I won't go too deep in this. When you're doing coverage, like it, it's a thing that does in a sport. So people are like, you know, in golf, they're like, don't hit it in the water. Don't hit it in the water. Don't hit it in the water. And they hit it in the water. Well, it's like your brain doesn't know that you're like doing a negative or a not thing. Yeah. They just hear hit it in the water and start focusing on the water. And like you can subconsciously do that. So like when you're thinking of like things not to say, well, think, let's talk about things to say and do that instead and think that way because that's a better, that's a better, uh, it's a better habit forming thing of let's steer things this way. Let's say things this way. Let's only do this instead of thinking about what not to do. Because then you start thinking about that thing and it's more likely to slip up or slip in. Yeah. Your brain works on positive affirmation. Yeah, exactly. That's a better way of putting it. Thank you, Ross. Um, But yeah, (laughs) so we've got, (laughs) so we've got a further coming up this weekend. I'm pretty excited to watch. Um, our longtime firm, Brendan Decato, is actually competing in it this weekend. I was doing a little talk with him about preparing. We were supposed to prepare a lot for the limited portion, but, you know, life gets in the way and stuff. But it's Pioneer. Um, I'm interested to see what the pros do, because like, I was going to say, when's the last time the pros got a hold of the Pioneer format? Oh, so the the interesting thing is 
we got we got a sort of glimpse into the meta yeah. game heading into the week because of the NRG last weekend. Yeah, which had I been going to the Pro Tour in Chicago, I would have gone to this event maybe even to compete in it because it's you know I would have only have to go up a couple of days early and get to play a major event. And several players did do that. We had Andrea Mangucci fly in early from which, Italy. Real quick, uh, can we talk about him for like two seconds? Did you see what he did at this event? Uh, took ninth. So he, hold on. You know, there's like the good guy Mangucci joke. Like he's just a good guy. Yeah. So at this event on camera, he casts a Dragon Lord Dromoka against his opponent, and his opponent cast No More Lies targeting it, and Mangucci immediately stopped him and put the card like back into his hand. Yeah. He's like no, 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 no. My card's like uncounterable. Like don't, don't, don't do that or whatever. And like just good guy Mangucci. Just I also quick. watched him point out lethal damage to his opponent and then scoop as a result. Yep. He's like, yeah, you got lethal with this. I'll just concede. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, doesn't make them find it. Yeah. Uh, his deck choice was surprising to maybe some people as well this weekend, but I will say this. Let's let's go over a little bit of uh, what won and what was by far the most represented deck in this top top eight. And I do expect this to be a very popular deck at the Pro Tour, and it's just Is It Phoenix, which is, it's gone through its paces in Pioneer overall. You know, we seem to be like really, really good a couple of years ago, and then it kind of falls out of favor, and then it slowly takes back up in favor. And I think over the last year, Overall, yeah. it's been te- technically the best deck in Pioneer. It's also I, gotten but, a third cantrip, like sure. sleight of hand. You know, I I boldly said a couple years ago, or not, like five years ago at this point, that as soon as they printed a second one mana cantrip, Treasure Cruise would be banned within a year. Yeah, uh, we're now uh, third. We're, <laughs> yeah, now that we've got a third, yeah, uh, the deck is very, very, very good at this point. Yeah, it's extremely good, and I expect a lot of people to gravitate towards it because. It's not that it's easy to play, but it gives you a lot of agency, yes. which a lot of very <laughs> good agency. players. Yeah, a lot of very good players like that, and I, I'm I'm not saying I'm good, but I'm in that group of I like my deck to have agency. I like to be able to like do what I want to do, have a lot of yes. options per turn. Uh, the deck that I referenced that in, that Mangucci played was Bant Lotus Field. I don't know if that's what he's considering playing for. Uh, for the Pro Tour, maybe this was like him putting a deck through its actual paces. You know, he's like, look, this is on my list. Maybe I want to see how it did. But Band Lotus Field's a deck that's been on the fringes of Pioneer for a long time and will randomly pop up and do really well in an event or two and then kind of go away. We've actually seen Lotus Field kind of take a back seat here the last few, like six ish months. I don't know the exact time frame, but, you know, for a while it was like very good. And then we've seen people pop up with it, you know. Set like always plays it at all the events in yeah and stuff. It was it was at a weak spot in the metagame uh in the RC last fall because of the rising popularity of Inti Copter Rakdos. Yeah. And that's you know, Rakdos was previously a pretty close matchup, and the them getting more aggressive and having more pressure with the same disruption tilted the matchup further into their favor. Uh and that was a problem. But is it Phoenix is historically one of Lotus Field's best matchups. Mm-hmm. Because while Is It Phoenix prefers to play against interactive decks, it has a lot of resiliency, it has a lot of card advantage, but all of that, all of those benefits are nullified by the Lotus Field deck just executing its combo. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a great choice for this weekend, given how popular and how successful Is It Phoenix was. You know, if we you mentioned that it was the most successful deck, five copies in the top eight, which is an incredible fit number. It was also just the second most played deck overall, at over 15% of the field. I would have bet it to be the most played yeah, deck. Yeah, so would I. I was surprised when I looked at these numbers and saw Azorius Control at 17.4%, which to is... To be fair, a lot of the guys in the energy circuit and in that area, they love their counter spells. Yeah. And, and this is the, you know, 
the Pioneer version gets a huge upgrade in No More Lies. So mm-hmm. that was a huge big, upgrade, I think, sticking point for the deck. It just didn't have a good two-mana counterspell and like hasn't had one its entire time in Pioneer, and now it does, yeah. so it has a great yeah. one. Uh, it didn't Mana that, League, it didn't have actual counterspell. Yeah, yeah but like the Exile Clause is, is quite relevant. Like it, uh, Especially in the Phoenix matchup, Like yeah. I've played a lot of Visit Phoenix and Pioneer. You cast hard it. cast Phoenix yep. a lot, especially yep. against Control, because against they could have control, like, Rest yep. in Peace and stuff. Yep. And, uh, like, you know, just hard casting it and, and having them counter it and guarantee exile, regardless of any rest and peace nonsense, is yeah, very nice. Because in the past with this deck, that's actually, if I ever physically cast a Archive Phoenix on turn form, like Snarephopter, right? Like attack you. If they used a counterspell on that, I was happy. Like, that. I, I, I want this to trade for a counterspell because, like, you have some, you know, bigger, more impactful stuff, or, you know, you have the turns where you want to force something through and you don't want them to have that counterspell, A. But B, like, it's just in your graveyard, you're going to get to keep going as long as I've rest and beast or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I like that a lot. But yeah, Ease of Phoenix would be like the deck that would be like number one on my list, obviously, for for those reasons. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to say about Ease of Phoenix? Because, like, there's something really, like, dramatically new going on with with this list. You know, nothing, like, super yeah. surprising. Prismari Command is sort of like the new thing. A lot, a lot of people are, are almost every list, like, main decking a couple. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say is play more lands than you think you should. I look, I would play 19. I see some lists try to like Howie, get greedy Howie's and cut playing, it down. Howie played 19 in his winning list. Yeah, uh, 19 is common, but I see lists like cutting down like 18 or 17, but the deck actually is quite mana hungry, and especially mm-hmm. if you're trying to set up the Galvanic Iteration turns. Uh, yeah, so like I, when I'm looking at the five lists in the top eight, it looks like three of them played 19 lands, two of them played 18, play 19 lands. Um, and also just play 12 one mana cantrips. Mm-hmm. I see some lists where they'll cut down to like 11 or 10. And I, like, I understand the compulsion to try to fit in all these cute cards that you want. Yeah. I promise you, like your deck is just going to function much more smoothly when you just play 12 one mana yeah. cantrips. But, I, I went through this same process yeah. when I was, you know, uh, developing the deck in modern way back in the day. I had, you know, nine or 10. I, I think it was nine in my original list and I moved up to 10. Mm-hmm. And I, I, eventually like, saw someone just play 12 and I was like, why am I not doing that? Like, I should just be playing 12. Um, mm-hmm. Just cut these bad cards, play 12, draw your good cards more often, and your deck's going to be better. So, yeah, mm-hmm. 19 lands, 12 cantrips. If you do those things, yep. um, I like one iteration, one trespass. Especially, uh, you might want even more now if the mirror is going to be that popular because the trespass turns are, are how you break the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, They're weaker against control. If control is going to be popular, um, they're generally like kind of not that great in a lot of matchups. I, I ended up boarding them out all the time, um, but definitely very important in the mirror. So that's something to uh, uh, to note. Yeah, but uh, I definitely expect Is it Phoenix to be the most played deck this weekend. Yeah, uh, another deck that did really well at this event was Boris Convoke, going six over and two in the Swiss. And I, I do think that this deck is good, especially on the play. But it did actually get a tiny little upgrade from from uh, from the new set where. You just get eight Thraben Inspectors now with the added, uh, what is it, Novice? I think it's Novice Inspector. Yeah. It says Thraben Inspector, Novice Inspector, which usually it's the other way around. Usually we get Novice Inspector first, and then we <laughs> get, like, the upgrade. You know, it gets the, it gets the what's the uh, the promotion yeah. or whatever. But, I'm sh- and I'm sure your partner is very happy about this. Eight oh, Thraben yes. Inspector dot, de- dot deck here. And, yeah, uh, I, th- I think she already has the deck built. Yeah. Also, like, this deck's doing really well in Standard. Right now, because a lot of the a lot of these cards are standard yeah. illegal. Like basically everything, but venerated locks it on an ornithopter. Yeah, and well, you can't play the other. You can't play the inspectors, right? Like the ravens. Yeah, you don't get eight of them, but like yeah. yeah. But a lot of the stack, like this, is just literally like 
you remember back in the day when you, ever now they like when it used to be like uh, I, I remember it used to be like standard modern or modern legacy at some of the two day events, and someone would just like have their deck with a slight upgrade for the next day in the opens. Like I definitely played yeah. against like modern Jund and legacy. Like he had the lands, but he just like got to play him to Turok and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I didn't want to pay hundreds of dollars for duels, but like I wanted. I was like, yeah, man, I respect it. I still lost. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, man, your deck's just good against mine or whatever. But, I, but yeah, like this, this is a thing. I don't think that's what happened here, but there's so much that's legal and standard right now. But anyway, like this deck's pretty good too. Like I expect some people to play this deck along the weekend because I think this deck's like extremely powerful as well. I mean, some of the draws in this are just unbeatable. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of this deck for the RC. It, the The way the metagame broke out, the the rise of Amalia for that week made the Boros deck significantly worse. Um, which was unfortunate, but Amalia has, you know, dropped way down. It is quite weak against control, um, and not that good against like Lotus Field if that's coming back. So, um, you know, it seems to me like the, the way the metagame is shaping up, we're setting up for a potentially good weekend for aggressive decks. You know, the, if the most played or most successful decks are, is it Phoenix control and Lotus Field? That's a metagame where I think Boris Convoke could do quite well. I, you know, I think it has the speed to just race Lotus Field. I think the go-wide strategy presents problems for Is It Phoenix that mainly relies on spot removal. They do, okay. You do see them play sweepers in the sideboard now, presumably to handle the, the Convoke matchup. But the, like, they've got like two copies of Anger of the Gods. Like You should mm-hmm. be able to play through that reasonably well. Um, and then the you know, you've also seen a decline in the Rakdos decks. And those decks are typically you know, aggro killers. So... Uh, I do think that the the uh, you know the aggro decks do uh, like play out well as long as you have a reasonable plan for the control matchup, which is really just like playing smart. Like, you know, don't don't play super hard into the sweepers unless you like your hand is you know super all in. Like you know, sometimes you just get the all like ornithopter hand with gleeful demolition, and you just got to go for it. Um, you know, you've got you can play things like get lost to help answer um, temporary lockdown. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Boris Convoke is poised for a good weekend. Actually, I watched a lot of coverage for uh, this, and when I saw the top eight and the way it broke, I thought Nam was going to win. I thought Boris, yeah. like, I thought he had great matchups across the board. He ended up losing in the quarters. I, I like, the matchup wasn't on camera, so <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, but, um, you know, he, he was my pick just looking at the matchups, and I wouldn't be surprised if Boris Convoke does reasonably well this weekend. I, I would also point out, the uh the mono white humans in I the top eight. do that if you didn't yeah yeah not a deck we have seen a lot recently humans has fallen almost completely off the map but uh this is a metagame where i think humans could, could you know perform quite well it's you know it's it's has the strength to beat lotus field it has a reasonable matchup against is it phoenix um you know thalia is excellent against them and you know a you can sort of overload their removal as well. You have an easier time playing against um, Anger of the Gods than the Convoke deck. You know, Adeline is just excellent against Anger of the Gods. And Humans, historically, is very good against Control. I do think the Control deck has just generally gotten better sort of across the board. Things like No More Lies and other upgrades have gotten in the last year or two, but that matchup, when I played Humans, you know, a couple of years ago, was awesome. Mutavault is just, you know, potentially the best card at all of pioneer against azorius control so um yeah i think humans could be poised for our resurgence as well those are the two aggro decks i, I would have my eye on mm-hmm. i think a uh, really really good point audio i'm wondering if this 
you know, like you said, I wonder if Lotus Field is an actual thing, but I'm worried about it with this much aggro in the field. We saw a Grixis Phoenix list do okay as well as being, but again, Grixis Phoenix stack. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan, but uh, it's, it's gonna be interesting to see if, if it's just like a pure aggro. But like, I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know if I'm surprised, but like, I'm just looking at this. I think there's like one, maybe two rack. Oh, there's uh, a couple. There's like four Rakdos in the top 25. But like, for a deck that used to be the most represented deck by such a wide margin. And now you're seeing it getting kind of overtaken by all these other uh, these other decks. I mean, just see you know if maybe that makes a small comeback at the Pro Tour. We'll have to see this weekend and see what these players uh, come up with. But I think you're right. I think we're poised for a pretty aggressive uh, Pro Tour in Pioneer because of the fact that you can just punish these decks that are like not doing anything super proactive until turn four or five with just absurd board states. Yeah, I, I think that against the Isa Phoenix deck, you need to be proactive because they are just so good at playing against removal spells. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to beat treasure crews with removal spells. Yeah. <laughs> that that shouldn't be surprising. Yeah. So uh, it's even though you, you you can think of is it Phoenix as this deck that has like you know seven or eight one mana removal spells and cr- treasure crews, which seems to be good against aggro, it spends a lot of time, especially in the early turns, spinning its wheels. Like you know, even in games where you have the turn one fiery impulse, then you're playing like turn two free the fey. Then you've got yeah. turn three, you got to play some cantrips and find another land drop. And you know, at best, you can like lightning axe discarding a phoenix. Like that would be still a great draw. Yeah. But a lot of the time, you're you're taking two of the first three turns off to just do nothing but cantrip and dig through your deck, and that is a, a can be tough sledding against aggro decks, especially if you're on the draw. So, um, yeah, I, I that's. That's where I see Pioneer moving for this weekend. I do think that Lotus Field could be a good choice, uh, just because I, I think, you know, historically it hasn't been that good against Control, but I think you can build it to be reasonable against Control. Um, you know, we saw Mengu do some good work with Dragon Lord Dromoka, which I believe he main decked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've I had just, things... I have to check, but yeah. T- did he not main deck it? I, I said, I'd have to check. I don't even know. Yeah, he did. He did. He main decked one. Yeah. Um, you know, we've always seen them have things like... Um, What's the the four BB sorcery? Thought uh, erasure. Yeah, nah, uh, no, not thought, like that. thought distortion. Distortion. No. Thought erasure is the two mana one. Thought yeah. distortion. There. Uh, looks like Mengu had some silences to, to help fight counter spells, but like th- there are tools. And so I think if you if you come with a you know with a list of Lotus Field that has a lot of cheap sweepers, you know, temporary lockdown is a great one. I think that's one of the reasons uh, Mengu opted for a banned version. Um, and things like Dragonlord Dromoka or Thought Distortion, you know, Mystical Dispute is a fine one, just like ways to fight counter wars against the control decks and ways to deal with a bunch of cheap creatures. Uh, I think your Lotus Field deck could be quite good for the weekend. So, um, you know, the Strict Proctors in the Bant list are also like pretty reasonable against aggressive decks. And you just play it on turn two, especially things like Humans and Convoke. They have a lot of ETB creatures. So, yeah, yeah, I kind of like the Bant list. Oh, one last point about Humans. Um, so we're used to, we've sort of used to how the humans deck looks. I think if I were building humans, I would very strongly consider not playing Brutal Cathar. I think that is a card that was there because Mono Green was always around. It and is. it was very, very good against them while still being like fine in other matchups. But yeah, getting the 4 4 out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's pretty bad against Rakdos. It's not really, it's not good against Phoenix. Is it that good against like the, the Boros Convoke deck? Like it doesn't seem that good. I think I would opt for a list that has a main deck to get lost, and then you know lo- more is more low to the ground, more ones and twos. Uh, speaking of aggressive, have you seen Standard recently? Standard is just 
it's ludicrous. Yeah, so taking a look at this weekend, I don't know what I, I don't have the final standings, but uh, the deck that finished the Swiss with the most points was Boris Convoke, and then we saw a couple other uh, copies of it in the top eight, and then you know in the top sixteen, and then in the top thirty-two. You know, a deck that a lot of people have been talking a lot about, and it's even gotten a slight upgrade here recently too. With again, Novice Inspector coming in pretty big, it helps of uh, Gleeful Demolition quite a bit in the matchup. Just having another way to put an artifact in play, so you're looking at. Voltarian Epicure and Namus Inspector on turn one, giving you an artifact for Gleeful Demolition, as, as well as helping out a lot with Warden of the Inner Sky, giving you things to tap and move all in all your stuff, and then Ward Leader's Call as well, you know, the, a new rare as well from uh, the new set, coming in and being pretty good and big in these matchups. The fact that, like, can you imagine the, in a creature matchup, you have this and they don't? Like, you're you're just gonna win. Your stuff's just bigger and stuff, and so, um, this deck can have absurd draws against a lot of people that they can't keep up with. You know, you're looking at Yotin Frontliner as well, starting to make uh, its its presence felt again. Sanguine Evangelist is starting to come in a little bit as like multiple bodies just to make sure they can recover well or put as many things on the board as possible. And then Knight Errant of Eos being just you know an absurd card in these decks because you're you know you're turn threeing this, turn twoing this a lot of times, and it's it's doing some really really dumb things in some of these boards. And this deck's really, really good. But a couple other decks, you know, showing up this week as well. You saw Domain Ramp do well. Uh, Azurius Control is another one that kind of popped up and started getting played a little bit more. Have you seen the list for this? They they kind of have a new cute thing that's going on in the list, Ross. Uh, I'm not sure what the cute thing is, but I will note that it was Sean Gallagher with Azurius that did win this event. So Okay, so, so Deduce has been making it into the deck. And like, yeah. it's a card that I like a lot for a lot of different reasons. It's, you know, it's a thing twice, right? It's an instant speed draw card that investigates. But you get another good counterspell that other than No More Lies, you get to play a card from, I think this is from Kamigawa. It's called Disruption Protocol. Do you know what this card is? I do not. So it's blue, blue, instant counter target spell. As an additional cost of the spell, tap an untapped artifact you control or pay huh. one. So if you have a deduce, uh, you know, like a, a clue in play, it becomes counterspell. Otherwise, it's just cancel, which is fine enough in this deck. I, I get some yeah. of these things. We've typically, you know, over the years, we've seen Azorius control decks play all manner of cancel with slight okay. upside, whether it was dissolve, giving you a surveil one, dissipate that exile the card, you know, disallow that had the added utility of sometimes being a stifle. You know, there were a bunch of variants of cancel, slight upside. And cancel, you can, you know, sometimes cast it for counterspell is probably the best upside we've seen. Yeah, and I look, it looks cute. It also looks like it's really good <laughs> and did really well this weekend. You know, we've seen Domain Ramp a million times. We've had this deck around a lot. Not too much to, like, really talk about there, but, like, Sunfall, again, doing a lot of really heavy lifting here. Card that, I mean, people have even started talking about, can we get this card banned in standard because of, like, what it does to the format? But I will say this, you're starting to see creature decks really creep up now. You know, Boris Convoke's doing really well. Esper Midrange is really well represented here. Like, very well represented. There was a, a Bant Toxic player that made it in the top 16 here. Um, yeah. Standard's in a pretty healthy place, I think. You know, you're seeing just tons of crazy stuff going on every week. The The deck that I was a big fan of, the blue-black deck, seems to have fallen out of favor now with a lot of the new stuff. But, I mean, there's a lot of decks to, to choose from here. I have seen... Uh, and I tweeted this out the other day, but I think I, I've seen probably 20 or 30 posts on Twitter 
from people who have won or done well in their RCQs playing standard. And I don't know if I've seen multi, a, a deck represented twice. Everybody's mm-hmm. doing well with a different deck. I saw somebody win with mono blue. I've seen different aggressive decks. Matt Costa was, you know, won with blue eye control and extolled its praises. Said he felt really far ahead of, of the metagame at that point. Domain ramp's been around. Esper has been around for a while and, you know, performed really well this weekend with three in the top eight. So mm-hmm. I think there are some clear, like, top dogs at this point, but they're not ahead by a ton. And there's a lot of decks to choose from. I th- To me, that there's... I think that's a function of there not being a, a major tournament to really set there's the no metagame game. yet. Yeah, there's no yeah. metagame. Yeah, yeah. It, so th- this feels a lot like the early days of Pioneer when we were playing like small events a lot every week the, and looking at the first at, open at yeah, an like Moto challenges. Yeah. Or if you remember, uh, do you remember when Modern was announced? Like they had the Pro Tour and they had Worlds, and there were a couple of bannings uh, in between, and then we had the first Modern PTQ season that winter. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was just wild anything west. goes. Yeah, yeah people. Wild were, west, yeah. I played Esper Delver in those tournaments. The deck was really bad, but if I think if, I played if, Callblade, yeah. like like some version of Call. I, guess, yeah. I think I played Esper Callblade. Yeah. By the end, well, uh, the um, was I'm trying to no Stoneforge Mystic was banned. You're thinking of the last extended format. No, no, no. I played Esper Callblade with no Stoneforge oh. Mystic or something like that. Yeah. Like, okay. I, you just played like okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I was equipping my Sword of Feasted Famine to. To Creeping Tar Pit. I'm glad you said that because I was trying to remember the deck. I remember, like, it was missing a key card, but the deck was still just good. Like, you know, I was like, whatever. I couldn't think of anything new to play. And I was like, I just know this. I remember I top eight at the PTQ. It was like a very small one, but like, whatever. Anyway. Now, if you look at win rates from the tournament, and these are small sample sizes, so the variance is very high here, but I do see a bit of a trend with the aggro decks having struggled overall. So their sure. win rates in general are lower. I think we've reached a point where, like, People are targeting the aggro decks right now, mm-hmm. so I might steer away from them for the like the next week or two. You know they'll they'll come back around. Um, you know because I do agree that I think the Boris Convo deck especially is incredibly powerful. If I were going to play an aggro deck, that's definitely the one I would pick over you know Bant Toxic or Mono Red or something like that. Um, but it does seem like the the mid range and control decks have found the tools. Uh, I think also the the aggro decks benefited recently from there being a lot more domain ramp. That deck has fallen off a little bit. Um, it, it's still popular, but it used to be like you know two or three most popular decks. Now Massively it's like five popular, or six, yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's enough of a, of a change. So, um, and as you said, like the the sort of like flashy decks that we saw, you know, there was the Demir version, there was an uh, an Azorius version. Um, those decks tended to be weaker against aggro. Um, and so the, those ma- those decks have also fallen off. So yeah, you like de- literally just can't beat a good Boris Convoke draw, especially when you're when you're on the draw. Like <laughs> yeah, they have exactly. like four creatures in play, and you have a go for the throat in your hand. You're like, uh, yeah. The, when like they turn two Night Errant of Eos, you're just dead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, I did want to talk a second about. Did you see the really cool deck that made the top eight? The uh, the, the Reanimator deck. The Reanimator because I want to talk about this quite it's a bit. It's like so. half Reanimator. You're like reanimating both creatures and spells, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like but, because. But, it, as, I do want to talk about it because there's something here, right? And I just want to yeah. like read off some of these cards for people at home so they know what we're talking about. Like, so it has a couple of Planeswalkers. It has five of them. It has three Kaido and two Liliana of the Veil. So like, these are not only good proactive Planeswalkers, but you know they allow you to discard cards into your graveyard, right? So you also have Rona, you know, Herald of Invasion, which you know most people just know what that is. But you have Lycanless Looter in your deck too. For people at home, they don't know what that is. It's blue-black for a one-one Fairy Shapeshifter. That's a flyer. It has, you know, it loots. You can tap it to draw a card or whatever, discard a card. 
If it has X, uh, it becomes a copy of target creature card in your graveyard where X, uh, with the mana value X, except it has flying as ability activated only as a sorcery. You're, it also has a Vohar, which is just another looter that does some stuff. to get, It gets back instant sorceries, which is really cool. But it, it's running Conspiracy Unraveler. You know, a card that you and I talked about quite a bit that, like, someone's going to break this card. because it, And that's the one where you get to collect 10 evidence rather than pay mana cost for things that you cast. It has a Tali as well in this deck. If you're looking at it has a Celestius in here that does a little bit of ramping, but also helps fill the graveyard. Uh, you got a couple other things. You're looking at Virtue of Persistence, which is a good way to combat the early aggressive decks. And then once you put this in play, if you ever trigger it, they're probably dead. The Cruelty of Gix is a good way to make this happen really fast. You know, you've got Breach the Multiverse, which is a card that generally ends a game when you cast it. It's got uh, Terror Tide as well to help, you know, have like a little bit of a Wrath effect. And then a, a big find, I think, for this deck that looked really cool is it has Reenact the Crime. And for oh, people at home, I think Reenact one... the Crime is one of the key cards in the deck. Yeah, so it's one blue, blue, instant. It's four of them. One blue, blue, instant. Exile target non-land card from a graveyard that was put there from anywhere this turn. Copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. And then you're also looking at the fact that, I was going to say, I have to check real quick, but I assume, yeah, it has four undercity uh, sewers, you know, the, the new surveil land. So you could just randomly surveil a card on turn four. Or, sorry, it needs to be turn five. Turn five and reenact the crime, the damn thing. So, like, I'm sure that happened one one point. There's a there's Takanuma. Mainly you're here. setting it up with your looters, and that's why having the looters yeah. is really important. So you play the looters on the early turns, yep. rather than playing something like a charter course kind of effect that would put the card in the graveyard immediately, because you need to wait, put the card into your graveyard the turn that you're going to reenact the crime on it, uh, and set it up. So, uh, like, it, it's a really cool deck, because he found ways around all of the, you know, the trappings of the specific sort of reanimation style cards i'm going to count reenact the crime as a as a as a zombify because that's what it does yeah that's effectively what it's doing i also really like the conspiracy unravelers because you know this deck has a lot of high high mana cost cards so collect evidence 10 is like pretty easy it's really like three three cards yeah two to three cards yeah and like even your cheap removal spell virtue of persistence is actually a what like seven mana card yeah so the the virtue the enchantment is seven mana, so uh, yeah. You, look, you, you, the, I saw that. I saw him do some crazy stuff. It was it was playing against Convoke, and he like, you know, cast. Um, he cast breach the multiverse, and ended up like chaining them together, and eventually like gets an Atraxa and gets an Imidane's recruiter from his opponent's deck, and just like combo killed him. It was, like put a bunch of creatures into play, and That's gave them all pretty ice. good. That's it was pretty. It good. was ridiculous. So. Yeah, I, I'm excited. To, like, this is definitely the coolest deck from the weekend. So mm-hmm. I hope it has some staying power here. Um, but it, it's uh, this is the kind of stuff that, like, you know, we're gonna slowly find over the course of, uh, of this season. I remember, uh, you know, like, it, going back to comparing to the early modern PTQ season, like Malira Pod emerged early on in that season, and Tron was the big deck at the end of the season. Like you know, somebody crushed like a Moto PTQ with it, and then it was everywhere on like the last week of the PTQ season, uh, <laughs> because uh, um, you know it was just like it's such a different deck than what everybody had been playing against. We're all just like playing weird fair jund piles, and uh, you know Tron just kind of ran roughshod over the format till it adjusted. But uh, uh-huh. it's cool to see that you know the this standard format has you know decks like this available to it. Because that's that should be the one benefit of expanding the rotation 
and having a larger standard format is you can find cool synergy driven decks like this more often. And I think you had told me before the show today, since I mentioned it in this deck list, you had a little bit of a rant about some of these surveil lands. Well, so mainly for modern, because that's where everybody is going nuts about them. You know, we sort of understand it in the formats where, uh, you know, you're playing them naturally. They're kind of tap lands. They're not all that much better. That They're basically temples, right? Um, and when you can fetch them, they get significantly better. But I do, I do think people are going overboard. I know I'm, you know, if you've consumed any of my content over the years, you know how biased I am towards ETB tapped lands. And I was, I I underestimated them initially because of that bias. Um, And because modern has has changed so much in the last few years, the fact that we have so many free spells now means that you actually have more mana to spend or to spare in the early turns. You know, if you just have one mana on turn two, it's not that big of a deal because you can play some free spell to catch back up whether you do it that turn or a turn or two down the, down the line. Um, so in a deck like Rhinos, I think they make a lot of sense. You know, one, you're not using your mana on the early turns at nearly as often, so you can just get, you know, free surveil towards your key cascade cards or your key early interaction. So, like, one or two, I think, makes sense in a deck like that. But I keep seeing them also pop up in, like, uh, like Matt Nass played two at Yawgmoth, and I was like, I wasn't really down with that. Um, that's such a mana hungry deck. And then I've seen lists of like, is it Murktide with one or two? Can I interrupt for two yeah. seconds? The guy that got second place at the RC with Living End played zero. And he, like, I interviewed him and he, like, predominantly was like, I've tried it. Fine. Not for me. He's like, I'm <laughs> trying to curve out. Like, I don't want to play a tap land to maybe put an extra creature to my yard. They all have cycling anyway. Like, what, what am I, what are we doing here? And I'm like, yeah, that just makes sense. Like, yeah. Cause like, no, on surface, you're like, yeah, this is a great fit. And then you play with it, you're like, mm. but I, I do think yeah, they're good. But be, yeah, be, because of the cycling, it makes a lot more sense to not play it in Living End because you are using your mana in the early turns very consistently. So that's the main question you have to ask yourself. Like, how often am I using mana on the early turns consistently? Because if you're not fetching them early, then, you know, they're not doing a ton. You know, you're like, yeah, you can fetch it late and it gives you like a little bit of value. And that's okay. That's why I think the first copy is reasonable. But you also just have to prepare for the times when you draw them, and they're really bad because you needed your land to be untapped. And so, like you know, you're making a judgment call as to which of those variables is larger: is it the positive side or the negative side? And I tend to err towards having my lands enter the battlefield untapped. Um, now, if you can consistently fetch them on turns one and two, then having one or two in your deck makes a lot of sense. So that's why I'm not a big fan of them in things like Yawgmoth, in is it Murktide, in. Um, Trying to think of another deck where that might be the case. Um, even like Scam, I would be, you know, concerned. Uh, you know, it maybe you could play like one. Murktide is the big one for me. I just cannot imagine playing any copies in that deck. It is, it, you need to play from ahead so much. You've got things like Consider in your deck. Like, you just need your lands to enter the battlefield untapped. Um, so... I do think, you know, we've gone a little bit overboard. Not too much. Just, uh, like, realize that these lands are not free. They're quite good, but they're not free. Yep. I, I will say this. I, I do think they're very good. Uh, I think there's probably a spot for them that's okay. Like, you know, maybe some one-ofs or whatever. Like, I don't... I agree with almost everything you said, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I like them a lot in, in, in my format, the one that I made up. You know, we're playing that a lot locally here, and they're, they're really good, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, 
I think you could definitely go overboard with them. I think you can put the value too high at some points. I do really like them in like having one or two in matchups where like let's say like modern where you can fetch if you can fit it into the turns where like you have cards that are super impactful in the matchup. So like you're just trying to find those cards. Like I watched a Rhydos player really use it to to great effect where like yeah the card's good. Like you look at the top you know it's a spell it's good but like it's not a force right it's not a endurance it's not one of the cards that's like super impactful in this and if I can get if I can get to that one turn faster in my matchup that's pretty big the fact that they have land types is pretty big and like we might see that come up yeah. as well I mean, the next couple standard they'd sets. be completely unplayable if they weren't fetchable they're, yeah. you know they'd be basically temples which you know we didn't yeah. even really play in standard that much the last time they yeah. were in standard like yeah I was one of the only people who played those <laughs> exactly so um yeah and and we'll I think it. if you look at the standard list, like you don't see a ton of them no. in in they're, these they're, decks. Well, the thing is, like most of the standard decks are decks that are trying to play one drops, two drops, and three drops, and putting a bunch of these uh, coming to play tap lands in here is a is a recipe for disaster. If it's not exactly like the triome of the three color deck you're you're playing with, like Esper, like Esper is trying to have two different colors on two on two, and sometimes three different colors on three, and then like the red white deck, you know, the Boris Convoke deck, like. If you draw a coming to play tap land your first three turns and that's your land, I'm happy as your opponent. You can yeah. you can you can scry, you can you can scry and you can surveil. I'll let you do both. Don't 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 cast a spell. Please. Give me that extra turn. And then your deck is significantly worse. But yeah, I'm Constructive Magic's in an interesting spot. I think the the formats are pretty in in pretty cool spots other than modern. Like I said, I'm not super happy of where modern is right now, but you know, like that's a thing that's going to probably take care of itself here in a few months. I'm really yes. interested to see what's going to happen this weekend if if a deck breaks out, if there's like something relatively new we haven't seen, or if just like we haven't been realizing how good a certain deck is. Like I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if an aggro deck really, really shines with like one of the big like handshake and just comes out like every one of them is playing mono white or something like that, you know, or like you'd be like, oh, like, yeah, like we we didn't know, you know, like that kind of thing. We didn't get it enough, you know, kind of thing. And I'm interested, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to watching some coverage. I'm going to get on the couch, get myself some good food, a nice little drink, maybe a blanket, depending on how cold it is this weekend, and just put it up on my big screen and watch it. I haven't done that in a while, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I will be doing the same thing, and, you know, Hey, you want to come over? Hmm? Do you want to come over? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let me just uh, hop on a plane. I'll I'll pay half? Yes. And and I'll be there. Yeah, um, okay. I I don't believe you for some reason, Ross. Yeah. (laughs) I th- I think th- with modern what we're seeing right now is the inevitable end game of the way they juice the format with all these free spells and I I don't like the way the the gameplay has been cascade in particular is incredibly repetitive so the fact that you know cascade has been so popular and so successful in the last 3 or 4 months is a problem um, I think Charles Agent being getting into Modern Horizons was, you know, a problem from the beginning, and I voiced that opinion that then. Um, well, hopefully, it eventually leads the leaves the format, or you know, MH3 sort of rebalances things. Um, Pioneer is interesting because we've kind of broken out of the sort of three deck triumvirate that we had for a long time there, where it was Mono Green, Rakdos, and Phoenix, and. Obviously, like one of those decks sort of got banned out of existence. I'm a little surprised we haven't seen any other like eight Llanowar Elf deck of some other kind. Like maybe we maybe we will this weekend. 
Yeah. Maybe we just don't know Green is actually good. Because it's clear that players are less prepared to answer them right now. Like, you're not seeing the spike field hazards that used to be a staple in the Izzet Phoenix mana bases and, and things like that. So uh, I, I could see something like that breaking out as well. But, uh, you know, if we're not seeing a ton of, of change in that format still, there's not, we haven't seen like new decks emerge. It's been more about figuring out where we are in the natural cycle of the metagame. And that's where, you know, the previous point we both had about Haggard X seeming to be uh, finding themselves in a good spot heading into this weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And then standard, like everything looks great, but like just give it a few months. Like things, it'll, it, things will settle and the format will coalesce around a few decks mm-hmm. and then everybody will hate it. That's just how it happens. <laughs> but um, we'll be back to hating the format calling for yeah. bands again. But enjoy it while it's here. You know, you try out new things. We're in a point where you can like win with fun decks. This is like, yeah. this is the the format you play. If you like playing homebrews and working on your own decks, dive into standard, go to some local RCQs and enjoy this, you know, honeymoon phase while it lasts because eventually Inverter of Truths will enter the format and then everyone will hate it. Inverter of Truth is under the chat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, everybody, uh, that's going to be it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. We love every one of you. Thanks for listening a ton. Um, for upcoming stuff, uh, Ross, I'm going to be at the Hunter Burton Memorial Open. I'm like 95% to be there. I'm on the staff list right now. As, uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing coverage, helping out with that. I will also be at the RC in Dallas. So there's two Dallas trips going for me for the next uh, couple of months. Other than that, I don't know... What else I'm doing besides I'll be doing the arena championships as well this year. As far as I know, I'm doing the first one. It's going to be a slightly different gig for me. I usually only do interviews during that show. But for this episode, the way that usually works is the first three rounds are limited. And then they do a few rounds of constructed. And then they come back the next day and it's constructed, you know, and and then the top eight. Uh, I will actually be in the booth for the limited rounds of that tournament. So I'll be making my way back into doing actual casting for Magic the Gathering, which is nice. Uh, I'll be doing that twice here in the next couple of months, including back-to-back weekends. I'll be in Dallas, and then I'll be at home for the Arena Championships, which is nice. Um, yeah, so like a lot of a lot of stuff for me there with that. Do you have anything on the horizons for yourself? I know that Apex Gaming had just announced yeah. a new Invitational series. Yeah, so. so as of us recording this on, on the Tuesday, Apex Gaming announced it earlier today, so... Uh, you can go to their uh, their Twitter or you can go to apexgaming.gg to find the schedule. This is a great growing tournament series. If you're in the area, um, anywhere around you know Ohio and in the Midwest, uh, th- there are tournaments being run across a bunch of other local stores. It's not just in Caldwell, but the Caldwell events are going to be the biggest and best events of the year. They have been rebranded now as Apex Cons. Because of the new renovated space that they have, there's going to be a ton of events at them. You can get all the information on what's going on there at the website. And this year, we're going back to a point system and a leaderboard. So if you're uh, going to the Apex events, that's where you're going to get the points. Um, Well, they're probably go So for next season, we'll probably have some points at the satellite events, but those events are typically run as RCQs, and until SCG takes over the RC system later this year, um, they uh, we still are are under the old rules where you can't keep playing once you're qualified. Um, so they'll, and, they'll continue the way they are until that rule is yeah, lifted because so, of SCG. So we didn't want to have points available in a bunch of events that pe- some people can't play because they've yeah, already that makes qualified. Perfect sense. Yeah. Um, that's why they got rid of them for last season. 
but okay. we'll bring them back just with uh, uh, the Apex events for this season, and the next season will probably get rolled out for everything. So, uh, yeah, apexgaming.gg is where you can find all the information on yeah. that. And then uh, if you're not in the area and just interested in watching the coverage with me and Todd Anderson, you can... Uh, oh, I am. I'm definitely interested. Yes, the, the first one is going to be in April. I think it's like April 16th, something around there. Hey. Uh, the schedule of those events is also on their Twitter on Apex Gaming. So I'll be back in the booth uh, come April with Todd. And I don't know when my next Mana Traders event with Corey is going to be. Um, a schedule didn't work out for us to do it this month because obviously Corey's busy with the Pro Tour and other things. And having a child. Yes. So <laughs> a natural I, infant. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think we'll be back at it in March for the <laughs> Mana Trader series. Uh, just check out, you know, keep abreast of our socials for uh, dates on that. Um, and we'll announce it when, uh, you know, when it comes. So, yeah, I'll be back in the booth soon. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Well, again, everybody at home, thanks for listening. Uh, I think our next episode should be a wrap-up of the Pro Tour. If that happens very... I mean, we could maybe knock that out pretty quickly. We might do a little bit, like, maybe half of a flashback episode or just do a very quick episode and then do its own episode of a flashback yeah. episode. So you might get two for the price of one, which one might be short. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, not sure how we structure yeah. it, but those are the things we will be doing. Yes, exactly. So... But if you're going to be at any one of those events, make sure you come up to Ross and say hi to us. We never tire of hearing how awesome we are or how bad we are at something. So let us know. Uh, yes, please tell me how bad you think Tannen is. Exactly. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, almost everyone who's come up to me and said something about listening to our podcast. They've all just been like, I, I love the flashback episodes. And I'm like, I, I don't think you understand how much fun we have making them because like getting to relive the it's it's like we're the old men on the porch, you know, sipping a coffee and being like, do you remember back in the day, you know, kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's nice to remember the. I wish we knew we were in the good old days when we were in the good old days, you know, that thing. So yeah. everybody, thanks for listening. Y'all are awesome. And we'll see y'all next week.